This podcast is brought to you by Primary Intelligence, the leader in win-loss analysis, focused on helping businesses uncover the unique story on how each sales rep can win more deals. Hey everyone, and thanks for joining us for another edition of Sales Intelligence Weekly from Primary Intelligence. I'm Ryan Queller. It's no secret, every sales and marketing leader faces the challenge of the changes in today's sales ecosystem. Leaders are having to help reps adapt and find better ways to reach their prospects through technology and adjust your sales playbooks to get more or even better results from a limited resource pool of leads and every single lead counts. The big question is, how do you keep up? In a world where the buyer's journey is shifting to a digital first experience, how do you ensure the sales experience your reps provide fits into that digital environment while still providing that genuine human experience for your buyers that the top performing salespeople seem to nail every time? Boiling the ocean with me today is Chief Revenue Officer at Actify, Mr. Craig Daly. Craig, thanks for joining us. Ryan, appreciate you having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. All right, my friend. Let's talk about you a little bit. Uh, tell, tell us about you. Tell us about Actify. Yeah, I, uh, I'm a California native, moved up to Utah for the last 15 years. I've uh, been married about 15 years, growing a great little family there in Utah. I've mm. uh, been in the tech scene for about 20. Um, started with a company called Qualtrics, which had a great exit uh, not too long ago. was one of their employees in the 50s. And uh, then uh, just ran with a company called Podium for the last four years, another great Utah tech company. But um, yeah, Actify is a phenomenal data science team and a, a group that is really focused on perfecting the conversation by way of some intense machine learning and, and a lot of uh, data science. And we, we basically hold communications via text in a way that is highly human uh, with the intent to uh, make organizations we support super effective in a lot of the outreach and communication they hold. Okay. I'm talking to the right guy. Uh, total side note, and we should probably do another full episode on this, but this idea about tech in Utah is kind of weird. It, it, it's exploding here in Utah, the Silicon slopes. I mean, what, what, are you seeing the same thing? Yeah, no question. It's, I mean, you, you couldn't imagine 15 years ago what it right. is today. Um, and even five years ago, you see the number of startups, the number of just logos on buildings, the amount of funding that's happening. It's outrageous. All right, Craig, um, let's go, man. And, and by the way, again, thank you for joining me. Uh, we, we really are trying to boil the ocean. We'll probably narrow the conversation. I have a strong yeah. suspicion, right? But uh, you know, l- let's, let's get into this. So yeah, you've just established that you've been in kind of tech for about two decades, right? And you've been in sales and sales leadership positions for a number of years. Yep. So uh, rather than talking about like all the changes that you've seen in the 20 years of experience in tech, I want to talk about the relevant of change, the relevancy of change today, right? So from your perspective, what's changing with sales today? Yeah, I think you're getting a lot more tools and equipment to do the job. And what I mean by that is the sales, uh, you know, hammers and nails of old have become now drills and screws and, and different techniques and technologies. There's just been so much innovation to empower one's work. Um, so especially in tech, I mean, the, there's, there's full blown billion dollar companies that were built on the tech stack of Salesforce, um, you know, that were email tracking softwares and LinkedIn plugins, things like that. So, um, there's, there's just been so much technology that has advanced one's ability to do more effective and powerful work. 
You know, you bring up a really good um, issue, this idea of, uh, and again, separate topic altogether, but that's another challenge and change that sales and marketing leaders face is this fragmented tech stack that we, that we have to deal with in tech, in sales tech. And so, uh, you know, kind of sorting through the things that have, you know, those, those point solutions that help us achieve different results is, is, is really kind of a hassle. Um, and, and this, you know, just as totally off topic, but I'm curious from your perspective, if I'm a sales leader today, how do I go about making a selection around, you know, where should I spend time uh, putting time and effort into selecting a different technology to help, help my organization? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a, it's an exhaustive problem because I feel like every platform that's out there starts with one really good core competency and then tries to bleed into this next silo and market opportunity, but they do it in kind of a substandard path. Um, so if I'm evaluating any technology, I'm really looking first at like my rubric of what am I actually trying to accomplish? What do I need this thing to be? Um, and then does the expanded nature of their offering actually lend way to value long-term with me? I would rather make one decision and grow with that partner over the next three years if they do have additional functionality. But if, if, if the core competency is there and there's um, you know, not, not much more functionality required beyond that, I'm only going to be hiring them for that specific piece. But um, I would never try to find a technology that's average at many things and overarching because I think you'll eventually rip it out and try to find something that actually works. It's almost like a Swiss army knife. Like you're not going to take that to a job site and use the Phillips screwdriver and the flathead, like good luck. So anyone that's saying they're the Swiss army knife of this or that, that should be a red flag when you're evaluating tech. Love that advice. Love that advice. And yes, I have like a drawer full full of Swiss Army knives that my grandma gave me growing up. You know, I still I yeah. still have them. Have never used them. To your point, right? In an emergency, it's fantastic. But. Yeah, right. The the power goes out in the middle of the night. You can go find your corkscrew, open up your bottle of wine, and do whatever you need to do. You know, yep. uh, exactly. Okay. All right. So I, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, the, this cha- these changes that are happening specifically on becoming more digital. Um, how is this this transformation of um, becoming more digital? Uh, you know, how how is this happening or impacting sales and, and marketing leaders? I think there is there's a lot. Um, technology introduces a dynamic of it's highly efficient, um, but it's also coupled with like highly inhuman interaction, like automated email campaigns. It may not be tight tailored to Ryan. So I think there's like a, a huge element of impersonalization that happens with the introduction of tech. There's also a massive amount of power, like we were talking about when you introduce technologies. So like how, how it's changing sales in general is, is pretty challenging in the sense of, yes, you're able to be um, do more outreach by implementing these solutions, but you know, the, these technologies that empower say sales prospecting. Um, but if there isn't a actual um, intelligent component or a human side of the interaction, your results suffer. So I think mo- most groups are, I mean, myself included, are constantly trying to toe the line of like, what is the maximum uh, efficiency without truly losing the authenticity? And I think having that human element in the equation is imperative uh, to drive the result, whether that's a meeting you're trying to set, a call you're trying to get answered, like there's got to be some kind of human element in the mix, but I think technology can serve very much a part in the operator of serving up the calls faster, the emails, the messages, uh, the conversations, whatever it might be. But 
the humans in my mind still play a critical role in any kind of tech stack. Why? I mean, why is that so imperative? You, you just offered up a, a crazy, awesome dichotomy, right? Yep. The, the, this idea of efficiency and, and technology and scalability there, but also the idea of the human experience. Why is the retention of this human experience important? Why? I don't know. There's, there's probably a deeper psychological yearning that we all have. Hold on. Like, let me get the couch out. We'll get, you know, lay know, down. Yeah, you know. For real. Let's lower yeah. the light. Any little. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't know. I think, I think we want people to, to understand our problems as to make the best decision possible. There's so much available online where I can, or, I mean, as a buyer, I come so much more prepped into knowing what I'm seeking or what it's about, what you're priced at. So it's like, I don't really care to do the whole fluff. Like what, you know, pitch me your product. It's more of like, I'm, I'm seeking to be understood by the, by the rep. And I feel like if I get validation from Ryan, that you guys, you know, truly are the right fit for my product. I feel like I can make a emotional decision at that point. So it's like, I can do 80% of the cycle now because it's all available online, but there, it just seems like, to drive a decision, there's got to be some kind of interaction. Not always, again, depending on the ticket, the sale, the price, or, you know, whatever it might be. But I still feel there's a, a a weird human psychology that's necessary to go over that hump. You know, that that's so interesting. The, the word that you used that really caused my antenna to kind of go up was this idea of need of understanding. In our research at Primary Intelligence doing win-loss analysis, we have found the number one attribute that uh, impacts a decision more than anything else, more than product, more than pricing, more than company perception, more than anything is the salesperson's ability to understand the business needs and everything that that, that means, right? The, 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 and the, which is a big statement. Business needs is a big statement. But the, the salesperson's ability to demonstrate that they understand the business need matters a ton, right? And what I just heard you say was, the opportunity to demonstrate that understanding is shrinking because of the digital transformation in the, in the yeah. sales or the buying experience. Is that right? Totally. Okay. So, yeah. you know, what's, what's driving this? So let, let, before we go to, I have so many questions, but really, you know, from your perspective, what's, what's, what's really driving these changes? I, I mean, the accessibility to information the internet itself is crazy. If you want to search, I mean, even, even just if you, if you're looking at technologies, um, kind of the world we play in and it was conversation AI, you have the Forrester quadrant, you have G2 crowd, you have these authority sites that are trying to give you opinion. They're giving the, the testimonials, the pricing guides, the deck, they have everything. And I think that's where I try to think a little bit from a salesman, salesman standpoint of like, what don't they have? And that's maybe feeling understood or heard. Like, can I can I give that buyer a really good experience in uh, not not a fake way to, to coax them into taking my product, but really just hearing them and saying, "Hey, Ryan, based on the core competency, back to what we were talking about a second ago, on what you guys are trying to solve, that is what we do really well." And and I and even in my sales motions, I'm probably going off a di- different path here for a second, but no, I try to discredit maybe something that uh, we don't do really well um, as to really just tell them and have them trust me of like, I'm just going to tell you flat out what we are and what, what you're seeking is what we are. Uh, now, if you're looking for that other stuff and that's kind of your grading criteria, it's probably not us, but I think just, again, humans and buyers, I think just want that authenticity of, Hey, Craig, based on what I'm actually seeking, it is you guys. So talk to me about pricing and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, those buying signals take place. And it's just a matter of, 
coming together on something, but um, I don't know. I, I know it's kind of a, a tangent, Ryan, the, but I feel like if, if, if all the information is pretty much available for anyone to find out, they, they, they know everything for the most part coming into the, the conversation um, with you. That's where I think it's just an opportunity to shift now and say, okay, look, there's, there's a lot of information out there. Like Ryan, I saw in the notes that you were looking for this and this, you tell me a little bit about what you're trying to solve for. So man, um, there, it, it feels like this, just listening to you talk, I have in my head, this visual of like a vice, you know, on a, a bench vice on a, on a workbench, my grandpa used to have in his workshop and he would, he would do some, uh, he was a welder, right? So he did some, some welding. And he would have this vice and he would crank it down depending on, you know, really, really tight. And there's this, this like vice that's kind of happening right now with salespeople where you have on one side, you have this operational efficiency, like you were talking about this productivity, operational efficiency and scales that we need to hit. And on the other side, we have the human experience mm-hmm. and, it, and it feels like there's this like increasing pressure on salespeople to try and figure that out. So I like this the solution that that's a solve that you're applying to it is like this, this authenticity, right? If we can be authentic in the time that we do have to demonstrate that we understand and demonstrate that we understand those needs, it sounds like we can, you know, make a case for ourselves. Am I following you? Right. hundred percent. And yeah, without, without trying to tout Actify too much, this is just a good metaphor. Tout away, my friend. Yeah. Um, we, we talked a lot about that cross section of applying technology to where it makes sense, but not removing the, that authenticity or that moment to create an experience. Yeah. We, we try to remove with our solution, basically a lot of the outreach and just the, the mundane um, aspect of like scheduling calls, trying to coordinate times. Um, we, we automate that whole process. And then we all we're trying to do those tee up the rock star, which is the sales rep. And so we do a lot of our communication primarily through text just to try to reach an individual. And that, that is the part that in my mind, as a sales leader, you automate the stuff that needs to be automated where a human needs to be actually interacting with an individual in a closing call, in a demo. I think those, those are highly effective when done by a human, but the human it's themselves should not be tracking down the notes and logging things in a CRM and doing these outbound dials. Like that's all stuff that is super basic and um, kind of data entry. Like the rock star would never be behind the scenes, plugging in the wires and adjusting, you know, any, any of the sound settings they are on stage there to perform. And so I think having a clear delineation of using technology to solve for the mundane outreach and then allowing um, those solutions should be empowering uh, those rock stars, those sales reps. So does that, make, does that make sense, Ryan? In terms of like- I'm, I'm following 100%. I, first, I was suffering from a delusion of grandeur. But what if I think I'm a rock star? You know, I'm in my garage, you know, but I still, I still, I don't have roadies to plug in my my amp. So I still got to do it. You know, I guess I'm suffering from delusion. A matter of perspective. So. Yeah, a matter of perspective. <laughs> garage band. Oh, Lord, do not pay to come watch this. Uh, anyway, okay. So um, let's talk, let's come back to the sales and, and marketing leaders. So um, how do they know? Uh, the, the vice script that we just talked about, it's, it's yeah. tightening, tightening. How do they know? What are some red flags that say, look, my, my sales process might not be working anymore. Yeah. If you are adding headcount to get the same result, then you got a problem. Okay. Wait. Okay. If I'm adding, adding headcount to get the same result, I have a problem. Why? Tell me more. Because you're, you're basically diluting 
whatever you're doing operationally, it's like spending the same amount of marketing budget to drive a thousand leads. If it cost you a million the month before, now it's 1.2 to drive a thousand leads. Something's wrong. Something's gone awry in the process and in, in converting. So what I, what I guess I'm saying is if there's a red, if there's a red flag to me as a sales leader, if, if I was producing a million dollars a month in new revenue and I was doing that with a team of 10, but it now requires a team of 15, there's something that has been broken in my operation to where now I have to, I, I require more headcount to stay at the trajectory that I was. It should always be a one plus one equals three, meaning when I'm adding a new headcount, there actually should be a exponential trajectory up. And that, that to me is when you have a sound operational program versus one that you're just trying to stay afloat on. Yeah. Okay. So I totally get that. And, and the, the production or the revenue increase per headcount is, is like a, a laggard measure, right? It's a lag measure. So love that. Um, there, I think there's probably other metrics that sales leaders can probably look at to tell if they're, um, you know, winning or losing, if they're, if they're, if they have a good efficiency or not, or if they need to do something different, you know, from your perspective, what are the other metrics that they had to look at to really yeah. determine, you know, am I, is, is this good or is this bad? Right. I mean, I, I, if I tend to work from the end in mind, meaning revenue is the core goal. Yeah, of course. If revenue is absent. What I'm looking at is opportunities generated. And if they have a sufficient amount of opportunities generated, but they're not converting the revenue, then there's a conversation or a management problem where they don't know how to progress somebody from initial discovery call to close. If the opportunities are absent and the meetings set as another KPI are definitely present, then there's, a, there's an inability to actually hold a healthy discovery and convert them into opportunities. You're unable to identify a business problem or a business need. If the meeting's set, going back deeper into the, or higher into the funnel, yep. if the meeting set aren't there, then the outreach isn't there. Then, you know, they're, they're not getting the appointments. They're not getting the scheduled, uh, you know, commitments. And, and then there, there's either a broken process or if they're using technology to help kind of power that, um, some, something's gone awry, but there's, there's clear explanations depending if you're a silo, those KPIs from revenue opportunities, created meetings set, all the way down to dials, calls, in-mail, send, whatever your, your approach is, um, there's a specific storyline and kind of remedy depending on what metric is absent. Okay. So one of the buckets, as you're describing, uh, as you're talking about the different metrics that you look at, one of the buckets of, um, you know, that, that you find in, in most sales organizations um, are stalled leads, right? You have leads that are progr- progressing. They get, they get into the sales cycle. They, they get into whatever process you're employing, whatever steps you are, and they start going. Um, and then they they either close one, close lost, or they stalled out, right? They ghosted you. They, they dogged you. They're out. They, they've disappeared. They've gone dark, whatever euphemism you'd like to use. From my experience in consulting with the, the organizations we work with, that is the single largest bucket of leads for almost any company. And it frustrates the hell out of sales leaders. 100%. Okay. So let's dive into ways that sales leaders can adjust their sales process to make these leads more effective. So they don't stall out. You know, what, what plays, you know, from your perspective, what plays have you found most impactful? Yeah. It, this is where technology, I think, plays a imperative role. Um, you, you mentioned like win-loss surveys. One, if you have that kind of leakage, you you should be asking questions. You should be saying what's going on. Um, think about like a grocery store. If 100 people walked into the store and 97 of them turned around and walked out, 
as a store manager, you would be scratching your head saying, what the hell is going on? You may have a problem when. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, that, but we have become accustomed today from a marketing standpoint that we convert 3% of our business. It's ludicrous that, that we accept that as kind of status quo. So to your point, yes, infuriate sales leaders, that's 97% that are sitting there waiting for some kind of interaction to happen. And today it's, it's email campaigns that are just littered in an inbox that nobody sees. So you can't even meet people where they are. So to me, that, that is an opportunity in itself, that, that, that 97% that didn't convert, didn't receive what they did or they, what they initially wanted. Um, how do I utilize technology and introduce um, automated uh, interactions that are meeting people where they are? And by that, I mean, we live here today. I would try to find a device or a channel um, to connect with your consumer base, depending on your target market. And that, that texting in itself is a huge driver. So one, how do I automate communication to those 97% that did not get what they wanted? How do I do that? Do it in a fashion where it's meeting them where they are. And I would say on their device, uh, primarily texting or any channel that could be device driven. And then, um, you know, we're, we're firm believers in true AI, not to throw shade at everyone that says they're AI, but AI that uh, can truly understand the intent of conversations like a human can and respond accordingly. Um, and if, if you can find, you know, solutions like that, um, then your sales reps are basically sitting back and waiting to talk to that 97% that today are absent from most companies. Okay. So you're, you're talking about meeting. What I heard you say was uh, th there's a massive opportunity with the 97%, right? With these stalled out leads, he's gone dark leads. Um, and by the way, the leads are not, there's not like an infinite pool of leads, right? This is a finite source that we have to work with. Yep. And so we need to make the best use of the thing of the leads that we get, no matter, you know, how interested they are, we need to take them as far as we possibly can. And so, um, you mentioned meeting the buyer where they are. Uh, you mentioned, uh, like if, at their cell phone, we live in our cell phones. That's the environment. Every person is really living in at this point yep. is our smartphone but okay so you've told me how but why why do these things work so well why why you know do they work well do you have any kind of data or statistics around this and you know what why why do these things work so well yeah i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of statistics out there just from like your forester reports talking to the effectiveness let's just say of like sms where yeah, yeah. you know 98 percent of consumers prefer to answer a text versus a call but i, I think we were so robo dialed and oversaturated with crappy automated technologies that we just don't pick up the phone when it's 800 822 whatever it is and it's a 30 second voicemail from a robo dialer however if I get a text that says, hey, Ryan, you had expressed interest recently in one of our products. Are you still in the market? We'd love to talk. You're more willing to fire off a text because there's no like commitment, even like car purchasing. As, as I think people do, um, you know, tend to hide behind the phone. And you can either say, well, no, we're just an in your face and we want to talk over the phone and make this happen. So I'm just going to dial, dial, dial. Um, but it's just not human behavior. I think you got to kind of play the game a little bit and understand like how to innovate and um, unlock the conversation. People will get on the phone with you, but if that authenticity and trust and like approach is off, um, good luck. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, there's that word again, trust. I mean, it, this idea, trust uh, that you just laid down or 
this idea of, uh, you know, um, being able to connect and authenticity, there's a, yeah. la- a layer of trust engaged here. I'll be damned if every single episode that we've done here, regardless of the, t- of the subject, regardless of the organization, the leader of the organization that we're talking to, they haven't, if they haven't talked about trust every single time, it is a thing. Um, and, and I want to come back to this. Um, so we're meeting the customer where they are. We're, we're attacking. You're saying we need to attack more of these kind of stalled leads. What is this, this technology that's meeting them, you know, by, by attacking and automating and, and via text and, and using, for example, AI to really determine the intent. What does that allow salespeople to do? It allows them to do what they do best, which is to perform. And by perform, I mean close. Like when somebody's on the phone, how do I connect with Ryan as a human and try to align what he is seeking with what we offer in order to come together on a transaction that is mutually beneficial? So when I, it, the, the technology allows to cut out the fat where a human is not required. Let us do the outreach or let the, let the technology, um, you know, get, get the individual either interested or back on the phone and then allow the sales rep to do what they do best, which is to perform, like connect with that individual and bring them on as a new, new customer or partner. Okay. I, I want to go a little bit further here. We just talked about AI um, and, and I want to focus on this within the sales process. I mean, this is ultimately something that Actify does you, you know, you know, phenomenally in the marketplace because yep. your technology is re- really kind of remarkable. Um, so, so what are some best practices for leveraging AI in the sales process? I think the misconception I had about AI first off is that it was co- just completely automated. Um, when in reality, the best versions of AI, Ryan, are highly human tuned. That, that's great. Okay. Repeat that. And I, that, that kind of explains yeah, yeah. my head a little bit. What? Yeah. Cause you, you think AI and you're thinking like completely automated uh, bot like conversation, but AI and like a true AI solution that I think operates in a way that we as humans want and as a technology company want, it actually has coaching and tuning from a human. It's similar to a child in that you need to teach it how to speak and to converse in behalf of the brand that it's supporting. Like there's a a heavy element of human involvement to perfect AI today um, or AI solutions. Um, I think when, when you get, you have, you have your kind of granola cookie cutter ones where it's just a branch logic. If they said a, then it answers this way, but those are no different than like the terrible four one ones we used to call. And it would be like, connect me to Cinemark movie theaters. And it's, I was just thinking about the movies, right. When you were like, okay, I need to know movie time. And then it's like, you want salt Lake hot air balloons. And you're like, damn it. No. (laughs) Um, Those things infuriate us. And as do honestly, like traditional AI solutions that are just very logic based, like, no, that's not what I'm asking. Are you open till 7 p.m.? And it's like, I'm sorry, I don't think I understand that. Please call us here or, or do this because it, it, wasn't, it wasn't baked into that basic AI solution. So anyway, in short, um, if you're implementing a, a, an actual um, solution that's going to automate interaction, that interaction damn well better be near human. Um, otherwise, you're going to lose the intent of the technology which is to like actually create an experience or create an interaction, but that's really hard to do. And that's why I say like, you gotta, there's, there's a lot of human um, involvement that should be 
that should tune that, that technology and that outreach to make sure it's like you're duplicating a hundred Craig's. I'm not, I don't have like this robot that's going out and miraculously getting me meetings. Like it has to sound like me if it's going to be effective. Does that make okay. sense? Oh yeah. I'm totally, totally following. It's just melting my head on how you can actually do that. that that's amazing technology. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's a force multiplier of a salesperson to make it them, but it's a bot exactly. um, to provide an experience. It, really it's an extension of the human experience that we were talking about. That was so imperative that we've talked imperative towards yeah. the sales cycle. Help me understand how this impacts uh, conversations uh, for salespeople. This this idea of this hybrid AI plus human, which I, I love. I think I think I'm in right. I think I think yeah. I'm going to go down that path and explore myself. But um, you know, how does it impact conversations for salespeople? Going back to the 97 percent, these people were interested at one point. They didn't get what they wanted. Um, if you can effectively deploy an AI solution that can go and converse with these people. How it's affecting the sales rep is you're getting somebody that already had intent to purchase or do some kind of transaction, or they're at least curious about your, your solutions. So you're getting a warm lead while you do nothing as an individual, right? It's basically going out there and, and deriving a conversation that you otherwise would have to do manually through a ton of in, immense effort. Um, you know, the if you, if you looked at a lot of the clients, like we're supporting it, you know, we're, we're driving sometimes in a 12 month period, an additional 60,000 phone calls. Um, and that, that's inbound, just, you know, new interest. And that's tens of millions of dollars in certain cases for, for certain logos. Um, there's other times where it's, you know, for an addiction recovery group, somebody that's seeking treatment, um, but just wasn't right, quite ready to fill out all the form. They partially filled it out, left their phone number and, we tune our agent in a way that is highly empathetic. It's not aggressive. It's wanting to have a conversation. It's wanting to connect. Uh, that goes back to my point of like, there, there needs to be some human involvement in actually tuning the AI and technology to really represent the brand in the most appropriate fashion. If you're in insurance, if you're in addiction recovery, if you're in high transactional credit repair, like there's probably different personas and different models. Um, but the sales reps are basically sitting back, Ryan, and taking calls um, because that mundane process of doing the outreach and getting schedules is something that technology today can actually power. Again, giving them the ability to do what they do best, what humans do best, and that's close, create the connection, create the trust, create the credibility, um, create the authenticity of of the close. Right. I mean, that, that in my mind is a sales person's dream. Like, if I could just sit there and have inbound interest, um, even if it's not, even if it's from somebody that was 30 days ago expressed interest, but now they're on the horn with me again, like I want that at bat compared to trying to go through some CRM and find old leads that didn't convert and just do dials. Okay. So uh, we're going to play a little, you know, we've talked about psychology. We're going to do a little word association here. Just, just run with me here. Just run with me. I will finish the sentence. The traditional sales process is archaic are archaic in, in what regard manual. It's um, just smile and dial. You're just doing cold calls. People are getting dials from unknown numbers. Nobody's picking up. Um, people hate voicemails. I, I mean, I, I hate them. Maybe that's too biased an opinion, but um, I don't think so. I think most human beings uh, despise that at this point. I mean, yeah. it's annoying. I mean, you like 
if you looked at the conversation with my wife and I, I mean, my kids, like it's probably seven text messages for every one phone call, if that, right? Like that should tell you enough in your personal life, like what works better. So logically in business, um, if you're able to do that, that, I mean, you, you see it that much more prevalent, it, even with, I'm, I'm talking with like a, a $10,000 sale all the way up to million dollar sales. I don't think there's ever a time that I wasn't texting with the individual, like a decision maker, a quick call, a quick question on this red line. Like um, people want to communicate through convenient channels. Love that. I would add this. When you said archaic, the first thing that came to my head was dead. So the traditional sales process is dead, right? And it's really been kind of killed. Um, you know, put put to pasture, you know, ar- yeah. archived, archaic by technology. And, and technology hasn't just killed it. I mean, it's it has augmented it. It has changed it entirely. That It's not the same beast as it used to be. But the, the great thing about it is, and although that technology has kind of changed and killed this old traditional process, sales professionals, we, sales professionals, we can still build that trust in those relationships to create a better sales experience for our buyers. So we've, we've talked about AI, right? We've talked a lot about AI. Let's talk a little bit about conversational intelligence. You know, what have you seen? How have you seen reps uh, employ the information coming in uh, around conversational intelligence? I, we've, we've talked a ton today about being able to create an experience. And to do that, you need context. Yep. Um, the, I think it's a very fair question and maybe a challenging one is to relay the actual context of the conversation that is taking place. Um, the way we do this is, is primarily through actual integrations and how most technologies are bringing to the surface. Here's the context of Ryan and I's conversation. Um, an example, I mentioned like an addiction recovery client might actually insert, um, the, there might be conversations around their insurance, uh, what it would actually cost them. And then, so as they get on the phone with me, I can actually have a more of an informed conversation saying, Hey, Ryan, I, I know there's some context here with Blue Cross Blue Shield. Um, blah, blah, blah. You know, you can have a little bit more dialogue around the actual addiction that they're suffering from. If it's a, somebody looking for a security system, I'll say, Hey, Ryan, I I know you primarily were looking at cameras, you know, give me a little bit more context as to what you're hoping to achieve with this system. And it might be not, it's just a leading question based on something that was actually from the conversation, but these, these conversations, whether it's an email technology or a text, text uh, message technology of cars, um, that metadata can be brought into a CRM or any kind of view that the individual um, sales rep usually is is experiencing or, or, or utilizing for their outreach. But um, yeah, we, we try to pass through a lot of that data on a single conversation level. And then at an aggregate level, um, there's just intelligence that we learn about a, a consumer base where, hey, in this demographic, they tend to respond really well, or these groups keep asking for these kind of questions. Um, so it can kind of help inform what content should be created for a website or anything to, to really adjust the experience based on common questions we're seeing. Similar to win-loss, right? Like there, there's common denominators that if it's across every single sales rep, then you know there's a coaching problem and that there has to be a better uh, emphasis on trust or whatever the driver might be that's missing, right? So bringing it all together here, what we've talked about, we started the conversation with this idea of change, right? That change is not only inevitable, it's here and it's driving, technology is driving change significantly for every sales and marketing leader. Um, we've talked kind of in depth around 
these kind of big ideas, right? Some real ocean boiling kind of ideas, but we brought it, you've, you've not me, you've brought it into focus in a way that's been uh, digestible and usable for sales and marketing leaders. Um, parting shot here um, for you, you know, what advice would you give to a sales and marketing leader? Like, you, you know, where, where should I start? Yeah, I think it goes back to the first point. Um, you know, people want a connection. They want to feel heard. Um, you know, with all the automations and technologies that exist, like you can't forget the, the human element of this. So make sure, make sure there's humans in how you're marketing. And I, and I mean that like in the messaging to the interaction itself. Um, so, something I always tell uh, team members that I'm, I'm new to work with is that I would always try to focus on positioning yourself as somebody that sells in the middle. You'll hear like Franklin Covey and some of these individuals saying like, get on the same side of the table. Um, but metaphorically, you shouldn't be someone that is so pro your brand because it, it creates kind of this antitrust. And you, at the same time, you shouldn't be so against it because then you're too client focused. You should be always selling in the middle of this client is looking for this kind of solution or this customer. And this is the product that I represent today, but I, Craig, am in the middle and trying to help broker the conversation and saying, Ryan, you're looking for this. They do this really well, or we do this really well. Um, we don't do this portion um, too well. How much of a driver is that secondary thing you're looking for? And if it's not, then, hey, let's, let's talk, like, let's come together on something. But selling in the middle is a place to start. Is the messaging you're sending, reaching and connecting with that consumer in the right way? And as they get on the phone with you as a sales leader um, or sales rep, um, trying to trying to stay a little bit as, as somebody that is in the middle. Craig, thank you so much. And listeners, don't forget to check out primary-intel.com slash podcast, where you'll be able to find free resources to help you improve your sales experience from both Actify and Primary Intelligence. Make sure to subscribe and tune in next week as we continue to explore topics on how to improve sales experience, increase win rates, and elevate sales enablement. In the meantime, check us out at primary-intel.com to find out more on how you can tap into your buyer feedback to win more deals. And we'll see you next time.